Wonderful, it's lovely seeing everybody out here worshipping God, praising God. You know what a sight to see. Young, passionate people. I mean, those people that are not so young, you're young at heart also, right? So yes, it's okay. So yes, I want to encourage all of you, you know, every Saturday, every Saturday, this is the atmosphere that we want to build. An atmosphere of anticipation, an atmosphere of expectation. And when you come up and when you give your all to God, Wow, wow, I, I believe God is going to pour out more and more and more into this space. Amen? Amen, amen. So this weekend is a special weekend. This weekend, we are launching the 40-day fast and pray in our church. So today, yeah, so... Who here has this card? Wave the card around. We're going to be using this card, all right? If you do not have this card, I want to, later on, we'll, we'll ask again, and the ushers and people will go around distributing the cards later on, okay? And this weekend is also communion weekend. So if you would have come in just now, you would have received your communion emblems. So if you did not receive your communion emblems, can I see a show of hands? Who does not have communion emblems. Anybody? 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 Going once? Going twice? There's one over here in front. Anybody else? All right. Keep your hands up and communion men will come and give you your emblems. All right. So there are two things that are happening. It's the launch of the 40-day 40 40 fast and pray in our church as well as communion. Okay. And this year, talking about 40 days fast and pray, this year, NECF have chosen the theme the urgency of the times. Who knows, who here knows that we are living in urgent times? Yeah, yeah, we are living in urgent times. And this theme is drawn from the parable of the Great Supper in Luke 14. The Great Supper, you know, there's, there's only a couple of suppers in Luke 14 and one of them is the, is the wonderful supper of the Lamb which is magnificent because it is a wedding banquet between the bride and the bridegroom. Who's the bridegroom? The bridegroom is Jesus. Who's the bride? It's us. We are the bride. We are the bride, you know. So that's why this 40 days fast and pray is so important because what we are doing in this 40 days fast and pray is we are preparing ourselves. We are preparing our hearts. We are preparing the church. You know, in the Bible, it says that there is this verse in the Bible where Jesus was challenged. Uh, the disciples of John and the Pharisees challenged Jesus. How come your disciples don't fast? How come? And, and Jesus said, well, let me tell you, the friends of the bridegroom do not mourn while the bridegroom is here. But a time will come when the bridegroom is gone, then they will fast. Then they will fast. You know what Jesus calls us? Friends of the bridegroom. So we're not just the bride, but we are also friends of the bridegroom. As we fast and as we pray and as we devote our time to God, what? And as we pray for the church and for the nation, what we are essentially doing is preparing the bride of Christ to be ready for the bridegroom. So this 40 days fast and pray is really, really important. I just want to encourage you to get on it. I'm going to share a little bit of wood and then we are going to move into the card, okay? 
So that parable, they talk about the parable of the Great Supper, but today I want to look into a different parable. My, the, the title of my sermon today is called Cultivating the Oil of Intimacy. All right, and I got this from Matthew 25, verse 1 to verse 13. But before that, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come and we can dig into your word. We ask, Lord, that you, you would reveal yourself in your word. You reveal revelations that we can take and turn it into convictions, Lord. Lord, as we dig into your word, Lord, may we behold you and cast our focus and our gaze and our adoration upon you, Lord, that you would give us oil. You would give us oil and the oil of intimacy, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' most mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so the, the title of my sermon today is called Cultivating the Oil of Intimacy. And I got this from Matthew 25, verse 1 to verse 10. All right, mind you, I'm going to go through three chunks of passages today. Three chunks, okay? Big chunks. And I know SIBKL can do it because SIBKL is a Bible reading church. Amen. Right, we're going to go through that chunk. Okay, Matthew 25, verse 1 to verse 13. I'm going to read for you all, okay? The parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lambs are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the doors were shut. Afterward, the virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But an answer, but he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. God bless the reading of his word. That was one chunk of passage. We've got two more to go. Keep this in your mind, okay? See, the parable of the ten virgins speaks of why we need to be prepared and why we need to be ready, especially in our current times. Over here, we have five foolish virgins who had lamps, but no oil. And then we had five wise virgins with lamp and oil. And in the midnight hour, when the announcement that the bridegroom is coming the five wise virgins were prepared. Why? Because they had the lambs and they had the oil. But the five foolish were not prepared. They had no oil. What does the oil here mean? We ask, right? If the fire represents our passion, our love, our excitement for God, 
What is the oil that fuels this passion, this flame, and this burning, and this desire? What is this oil? I want to submit to you here, the oil here is a love relationship that is produced through spending time with God. And that is the oil of intimacy. Let me repeat this. The oil here is a love relationship that is produced through spending time with God. I just want to read um, Song of Songs over here. Song of Psalms chapter 1. Song of Solomon chapter 1. Verse 1. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Right? Not, not everybody read this out one, right? But I'm going to read it, okay? Would you permit me to read it? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. What, what, what is this? This is relationship. This is intimacy. You know, kiss is an intimate act. When we say kiss him, the kisses of his mouth. What comes from his mouth? The word of the Lord. So what Song of Solomon is trying to say here, let him encounter me with the word of his mouth. Let us be encountered. And through this relationship, then goes on, for your love is better than wine because of the fragrance of your good ointments, the oil. Your name is ointment poured forth. So you see the oil here. The oil here is the oil of intimacy that is cultivated through a love relationship. Kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Encounter me, God, with your word. And as I dig into your word, Lord, may we have such a relationship where I can receive from you and this that you receive from God, this relationship that you receive from God fuels the flame, fuels the fire and the passion and the desire. So when the bridegroom comes, oh, you are ready. You are ready. You know, church, I believe that we are in the beginnings of the end times. The birth pangs have already started, or we can call the contractions. We've seen one of the first few big contractions through COVID, right? And right now, we have a reprieve, a breather, a rest. You know, COVID was a test run to see if we are ready in our faith for God. It was a test run. Thank God for the test run because of that test run, we know where we are right now. It revealed to us, for some of us, yes, we were ready, we went on. For some of us, we struggled. We struggled. It was tough. God, why? Why are you doing this to the world? Why? Why are there people dying? Why? So because there was a test run, and now we have a reprieve, now we have a time to prepare ourselves once again. Remember the urgency of the time. We are in urgent times. And right now, we have a reprieve and a time to prepare before the next contraction starts. So these 40 days, fast and pray. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. Because more contractions will come. More will come. And you see, in this parable, the time is coming when the bridegroom, Jesus, comes. And in that time, it's the urgent hour. It's the urgent hour. So will we be found like the five wise virgins, having the oil of intimacy that fuels our passion, our desires, our excitement for God? 
Or will we be like the five foolish virgins that has nothing to go on? They had the lamp. They had the lamp, but the fire was dying out. The fire was dwindling. Which will we be? My prayer for us in this season of fasting is that we will be able to cultivate that oil. That when the urgent time comes, you know, if we can continue to feel the desire and the passion, you know, when the contraction comes, we will not be questioning God, but we will be saying, God, through this, I still love you. Through this, I still trust you. And I hold true to you, what you say. Kiss me with the kisses of his lips. So my sermon, that was the introduction. My sermon here has two parts, all right? That was the introduction, two parts. One, how do we get oil? Now you know what the oil is, how do we get oil? And number two, what do we do with the oil? Number one, how do we get oil? Now, I told you we're going to look into three huge chunks of Scripture. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to run through Luke chapter 10 with all of you. You don't have to go through and read one by one. If not, we'll be here until we start the fast, okay, on 7th of August, okay? <laughs> By the way, the fast starts on 7th of August. So what we are doing right here is we are preparing you to start the fast, okay? Okay, I'm going to give you a bridge version. Okay, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 70 disciples. He sends out, go two by two, go out, all right? And then the 70 came back. And the Bible says they came back with joy, filled with joy. And Jesus celebrates them. He said, wow, he celebrates because the Father has given them a revelation of Jesus to the 70. And after all that, a lawyer comes forth and asks Jesus. Now, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 29. It says here, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then we have the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I will not go through because, yeah, too long, right? But here the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? While this is a good question, I think the lawyer is trying to find an easy way out. Who is my lawyer? He asks a very, who's the lawyer? Who's my neighbor? He's, he asks a very easy question. And we all already know who our neighbor is, right? It's everybody your brothers, your sisters, every human being is your neighbor. And then how do we love them? I think loving them, knowing how to love them is easy, right? It's pretty easy. We should forgive our brothers and sisters. We should serve them. We should love on them. It's quite simple. It's not that we do not know. It's just that we don't want to do it, right? Can I, can I be honest here? Sometimes it's a little bit hard. We know that we, we, know we need to love. We know how to love. But sometimes it's just like, ah, Manila, you know, right? Okay? So I feel that the lawyer missed out something here. There is an even harder question that should be asked. And that question is, how do we love God with everything, with our heart, 
with our soul, with our mind, with our strength. I feel that question, the question shouldn't be about loving a person who we can see, but a God that we cannot see. How do we do that? 1 John 4.20 says, if you can't love a person you can see, how can you love a God you can't see? See, loving a person, loving a person you can see is the easier of the two. So what I want to know is how can I love a God I cannot see? We have mentioned the oil is about a love relationship. We're talking about love right now, right? How do I love God who I cannot see? How can I love a God I cannot see if all my heart, all my strength, all my soul, all my mind is all, is every, with everything. And it's like Jesus knew that we will come to this conclusion. How do we love God? It's like he knew and he did not give us an answer through a parable. But instead, if you were to look in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 goes out, the 70 sent out, woe to the, to the impenitent cities, the 70 returned with joy, Jesus rejoices in the spirit, the parable of the good Samaritan, and then out of nowhere, Mary and Martha worship and serve. This is a little bit out of context, like, hey, boop, boop, this one inside here. It is as if Jesus knew that we would be asking this question. God knew, and then, bam, Mary and Martha. I'm going to read Mary and Martha right now. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 41. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So how do we get oil? I introduce to you Mary. She's going to show us how to get oil. I'm going to tell you a bit about the backstory of this. See, Martha over here does something that is totally mind-blowing and insane. What does she do? She invites Jesus, the most popular man in the nation or even in the region, to her house. Do you know when you invite the most popular man in the nation or region into your house, you know what happens? Your house gets flooded with people. Outside gets flooded. Your roof gets taken out. Why? Because a paralytic man will come down. People will come and ask for healing non-stop, day and night. So why do you think Martha was so busy? It's because there were, the multitudes were coming into her house and she's probably thinking, I need to be a good host. I need to prepare. The last sermon I said, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Hors d'oeuvres. Now I do. Oh, I got it wrong again. Hors d'oeuvres. She needs to do that. She needs to prepare the drinks and all that. And she was really busy rushing and all that. You see, when Jesus is in the house, it is not a nice, intimate tea session or a cup of tea with some scones. No, it's not that. 
It's not that it's havoc, it's chaotic. People are surrounding, people want food, they are hungry. The vases are probably crashing down. Martha is going, oh no, my vase. <laughs> and there'll be loads of things to do around the house. That's probably why Martha was so busy. But Mary, now, Mary, throughout that busyness, throughout the havoc and the chaos, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She rested at Jesus' feet. Now we would think, wow, Mary is so chilled, huh? so relaxed, huh? and just sitting and listening. Huh? But let me tell you, in that restedness, there was also a, a struggle, but she pushed through. In that restedness, in this struggle, that's how she gets oil. See, how do you get oil? You be like Mary. You sit at the feet of Jesus. You look at Him. You adore Him. You give Him an adoring gaze. And you listen to every word that comes out of Jesus. Kiss me with the kisses of His mouth. That's what Mary was doing. She was so focused on Jesus throughout the havoc and the, the chaos that was happening around. But you know what? There are some struggles that she had to go through to get to that place. One, a family struggle. Why? You have a sister that's so busy doing this. And before, she, as she, before Martha speaks to, to Jesus, what do you think? She would probably be shouting at Mary, Mary, come and help. Mary, come, come. Mary, the water is boiling. Mary, could you get tea? But Mary, no. She sits in that restlessness, fixing her gaze and eyes on Jesus. That struggle. But then there's also another, another barrier, another challenge, which is cultural barrier. Do you know, it's not normal for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi. It's not normal. In the Jewish text, there's this book called The Rabbi Literature. There is one time it's stated in there where a woman sat at the feet of a rabbi and that woman was the rabbi's daughter and she got a crazy rebuking for doing that. It is not the norm. So there was a cultural difference. She had to struggle. She had to go through that and come before Jesus' feet. People were probably whispering, why is this man? What's she doing? What's she? This sacrilegious, this is terrible. You know, but Mary, like, I don't care. I'm going to focus my gaze on God. I'm going to rest in His presence and I'm going to hear His word. See, Mary saw something about Jesus. She locked her gaze on Him. She opened her heart and dared to believe that she can come over and sit at His feet and be a disciple of Jesus. She pressed through the cultural barrier. She pressed through the family barrier. She pressed through even her own barrier. Imagine what her thoughts would be saying to herself. Imagine she's sitting there, she said, I'm not worthy. What am I doing? I'm breaking rules and laws. Who am I? Who am I to think that he, he would take me in as his disciple? All these barriers, but she shuts it all out. Say, God, I look to you. I adore you. I cast my gaze on you. And then Martha says, Jesus, do you not care? Wow, you are talking to Jesus who is compassion. He is love. He is the epitome and the meaning of love. And she asked, Jesus, do you not care? Jesus was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, you know, 
don't you have compassion for me? Jesus was like, but I am compassion. <laughs> Tell my sister to come help me. Yeah, at this point, see, Mary does not know what, Mark, what Jesus was going to answer. At this point in time, because of a cultural, cultural background, because of family background, friends and her thoughts, she probably thought that Jesus would say, Mary, you know, your sister Martha is struggling and stumbling a little. Let's not stumble our brothers and sisters. Why not you get up, go help her, finishing up, and I tell you what, the both of you can come and sit at my feet. Mary was probably thinking, ah, she's, she's going to say something like this, very pastoral, ma, right? Very pastoral, very nice. But Jesus did not do that. As we know and we read, because there's something, why? We need to ask, why did not Jesus, why didn't Jesus do that? Because there's something critical that needs to happen. You see, this is how intimacy starts, an adoring gaze. This is how love is kindled, a listening ear. This is how you get oil, pushing through the barriers and focusing and resting on Jesus. See, at this point, Jesus then speaks to Martha. Martha, Martha. Mind you, it's not a Martha, Martha. No, 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 okay? It's a loving tone. Martha, Martha, all right? And then he looks at Mary, joining her gaze to him, looking at her gaze, fixing his eyes on her, and said to Martha, do you see her? Do you see Mary? She's chosen the one thing needed, and I'm never going to take that from her, ever. Why? The look, that adoring gaze that Mar Mary had, and he matched that eyes, he matched that gaze. That is the same look that David had. Lord, I love you so much. I will not rest, nor shall I sleep till I find a resting place for you. It's the same look that Moses had when he said, show me your glory, the hunger, the thirst. Lord, I want more of you. We need to have that look. We need to have that adoring gaze. We need to listen to the word of God. And that's, that's the look of a human heart saying, Lord, I want you. I want your face. I want your word. I'll carve out everything. I will, I will let go of everything. All the barriers, all the, all the challenges just to look at you. That's what we need to have, church. That's the oil. The heart yearning, saying, I want Jesus. Pressing through the barriers and distractions to gaze upon his face and behold him. And then his gaze comes and matches our gaze. That's how we receive oil. That's how we feel the love relationship when God matches your gaze and looks at you. My child, I love you. Wow. The oil comes. It stirs. And then the flame ignites the passion. The desire comes. And we need that. We need that. See, church, in this fasting period, may we cultivate oil by having an adoring gaze upon God through our worship and listening 
through His Word and by the reading of the Word of God. So right now, I want to challenge us, would we, would we in this time of prayer and fasting cultivate oil? Push through the distractions. Push through the barriers. Look to God and say, Lord, I want you and you only. And this is a perfect time to do it. This season of fast and pray. Now, I want all of you to take out your cards. We're going to do this together. We're going to do this right now. Okay? We're going to do this right now. See, the card over here states, Dear Lord, I feel your name in. Because this is going to be a pledge card for you to God. Remember what I say, you, we want to cultivate oil. We want the oil of intimacy that would then spark the desire and the passion. So I, put your name in, would like to commit myself to the, to the following. May you give me the grace to use the next 40 days to seek your face. See, seek your face. Seek your face. Look at him. Know your heart and align to your will. May your kingdom come and your glory be manifested in our lives, in our churches, and in our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you write now and sign on this card? I'm going to do this together with you guys, all right? So everybody, right now, those who don't have a card, you can raise your hands and we will give you a card. Sign your name because this is going to be a commitment to God and not to anybody else. And then tick the category, right? My commitment to fast, all right? Tick, choose which one you want. Not just choose which one you want, choose which one God is challenging you as well, all right? Choose which one God is challenging you. I'm going to do something that's crazy. I'm going to put it out there so that you guys can keep me accountable, all right? God has challenged me to do liquid fast for the next 40 days, and I'm going to put it out there. So if you ever see me eat anything that's not liquid, please come and give me a smack. I say, repent. <laughs> repent for God's kingdom is coming, all right? I'm going to put it out there, all right? My commitment to read one chapter a day, two to five chapters a day, or write your own. My commitment to pray, to build a personal altar of at least 30 minutes every day, to join at least one church corporate altar once a week. And just to let you know, just an advertisement, we have altars every night from Tuesday to Friday, all right? From the 7th of August, when we start the fast, all the way until the 15th of September, all right? All the way, Tuesday to Friday, every night we have an altar, the corporate gathering where we can cultivate oil together. My commitment to see your kingdom come to Malaysia. You can pick more than one, pray for at least one person, someone who has backslidden or is not yet a believer during these 40 days. Pray for a people group that is residing in Malaysia throughout the 40 days. And this will be your commitment. And what we're going to do together as a church is that we're going to cultivate oil together. Right? We're going to cultivate oil together. Because when the urgent hours are at hand, we need that oil. We need that oil. All right? All right, that's part one of my sermon. Amen? Are we doing good time? We've got time. We've got time. I'm going to go part two. Now, part two is, what do we do with the oil. What do we do with the oil? Yes, 
One portion is the oil is meant to ignite the desire and the passion and the excitement for God and for His Word and all things that is His. But there is another thing that we can do with the oil and it can be found in the life of Mary as well. See, the highest thing you can give God is not just receiving the oil, receiving His love, receiving the encounters and His affection, but the highest thing that you can do is giving your love and affections back to Him. Now, the Bible calls this when there is a transaction between two parties. You, you receive oil, that means God is giving, and then you give oil, and then God, God gives you oil, you receive, you give, you, receive, you give. It's like a dance. It's a dance. And the Bible calls this Mahanim. Mahanim. The dance of the two camps. Mahanim. You can find this in two passages of the Bible. One, where Jacob was resting and Jacob's ladder came. And then he saw angels ascending and descending. That's an exchange. Up and down, he called a place Mahanim, the dance of the two camps. There's another place where you can find this word Mahanim. It's in Song of Solomon's. Oh, again, wow, this preacher is giving out a lot of Song of Solomon's. Woo, all right. You say Song of Solomon's chapter 6, verse 13. Return, return, O Shulamite. Return, return, that we may look upon you. You see, this is after she's cultivated oil and she's gone through a process of transformation. Now, all the friends are calling, return, Shulamite woman, return, that we may look upon you. The oil is upon her already. She's shining. She's, she is basking in the fragrance of all the oil is coming out of her. All right? And then it says, the Shulamite woman says, what would you see in the Shulamite herself? As it were, the dance of the two camps? Do you see the dance of the two camps? Do you see the Mahanim? Where there is giving and exchanging the love relationship between the Shulamite woman and the lover. Do you see that? And that's where they are drawn to that love relationship. That's when they are drawn, not just to God, the lover, but now to the Shulamite woman, the bride, and they are drawn to that love relationship. So, what do we do with that oil? What do we do with the love and the affection of God that God has poured onto us? Now, we need to give it back to God. We need to give it back to God. You know, over here, the Shulamite woman is basically saying, my love for Him is attractive isn't it? So you see, when we give our oil to God, when we give our love and our affections to God, hey, it's not just for you, it's not just for God, but people will turn around and they will see, wow, it's attractive. What's happening here? There is something so intangible I cannot put my finger to. It's that love relationship with God. And they'll come and ask you, What's happening? Why do you have this enthusiasm? Why do you have this passion in the midst of trials and struggling? Why do you have that positiveness? You know, in COVID, our church had that. That was the dance of the two camps, the love relationship. And that love relationship attracted others. And we went out as well. We did so many programs 
We did our CIA, we love others. And people were asking, why? How? Why are you so positive in this time? This is the Mahanim. See, if you are just receiving an inheritance from God, all take, 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 give me, you know, it's just sonship. My son is not there. <laughs> he was there. And I will give him everything. I will give him everything. And that's sonship. But God doesn't just want to give you something. He wants something from you. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it, but he wants it. He desires it. And this blows my mind. It is totally mind-wrecking that God doesn't need anything from us, but he wants something from us. That means we can give something to God. And that something is the oil of intimacy, our love and our affections. Now, receiving oil is one thing. Storing up oil and receiving oil is one thing. But it's a whole nother level when oil is offered out. Let us see now the process, how oil is offered. We go back to the story of Mary. All right, I told you three main passages, right? Three big chunks, and now is the biggest chunk ever. Okay, so bear with me over here. We're going to go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to go through the whole of John chapter 11. But don't worry, I will lead you through. I will summarize a few parts. We will move, move accordingly, okay? John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. Mind you, this is John chapter 11. The anointing on the feet and the pouring out of the fragrance happened in John chapter 12. The author of John is trying to highlight something here. Why is the author saying, no, this is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? The same Mary in John chapter 12 that poured the oil out, the fragrance out. There is a linkage here. The author of John wants us to focus on John 11 because what happens in between John 11 and 12 is important. It leads up to John chapter 12. Look at this. You see, you can get oil, right? But in John chapter 11, something happens. There is a crushing. Oil can only be produced when there's a crushing, it can only be offered when it's a crushing. So you can't offer oil until there is a crushing. You've got the love, affection now, he's pouring into you, but now you've got to go through a tension. Will you love God through this tension? Will you love God through this crushing? And this is why we need oil, because right now we're in a reprieve, remember? Another contraction is going to come and the contraction is a crushing. And in that crushing is our chance to get more oil, produce more oil and return oil to Him. See, there is something that God loves about tried and tested love. It moves Him. It moves His heart. And we will see this later on. All right, let's continue. 
Verse 3, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love, him whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. He's giving a prophecy, all right? This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and a sister and Lazarus. You see, remember the pointing towards John 11. There is something that we need to look here and we need to wrestle with, all right? The first thing that we need to wrestle with is when God says, when Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. What kind of glory is God looking for here? Is it simply about a miracle of resurrection where he needs a dead, rotten, stinky corpse that the, you know, the, the worse the fall, the greater the redemption was something like that? It's so bad in the state. If that's the case, why does Jesus have to use the one he loves? You see, he said in verse 3, he whom you love is sick. In verse 5, now Jesus loved Mary, Martha and her sister who is Mary and Lazarus. Why does Jesus have to use the ones he loved to go through these things? Why not a Pharisee? Then maybe at least you can change someone in the process, right? Why not a stranger? Why not anybody else? I mean, like, there are a lot of people dying, right? And that would have brought the glory of the resurrection, the miracle, the glory of the miracle of the resurrection to God. But why the one whom he loved, Lazarus? See, he can choose anyone if it's just about the miracle. But you see, it's not just about the miracle. It is about producing something in the ones he loved. And if it's about that, then yes, he needs to choose the ones he loved. He will need them as part of the equation. And that's the point. He wants to produce something in the ones he loved. Now, the next question you'll be asking is, why does God have to do this to the ones he loves? Why involve the ones he loves? Now, why does he have to do this in the ones he loves? Why? Because he is looking for something only the people that loves him can give him. It's the most rarest, precious offering there is. You know, some of you are going through trials and testings and you're asking, you know, what have I done? Is there something that I've done? Well, maybe, maybe. It could be something that you've done. But it's also sometimes not something you've done. And many of times it's God saying, hey, child, hey, my son, hey, my daughter, I actually want to answer your prayer. Remember you prayed to love me more? You remember to, you pray that you want the deep things of God. Remember pray, you prayed that you don't want the shallow stuff anymore. You want to go deeper. I'm bringing you through the deeper things now. Would you love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul when it's in the crushing, when it's in the trials, when it's in the tribulation? You see, we're talking about the urgent times. 
and a contraction has just come and left. And we're going to go to another contraction. And that's why we need that oil and that oil, that love, affection that comes to God, that comes from God to us. We need to hold on to it because when the contraction comes again, will we hold on to that oil and say, God, I will love you through the crushings, through the hard times. I will love you. And this is something we, only we can give in this life. Because in the next life, there's no more tears. There's no more hardship. No, this is only something that can be produced right now in our time. See, God is basically saying, I'm answering your prayers and I want to give you an opportunity to love me despite everything. So now I want to submit to you that the glory Jesus was talking here is not just about the glory of the miracle of the resurrection, but it is the glory of what's happening in Mary's heart. It's that glory. Let's continue. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and the sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Jesus heard Lazarus was sick. Mind you, he said, him whom you love uh, is sick. And in verse 5, he said, he loves Mary Martha. And because he loves Mary and Martha, and when he heard this news, he delayed two more days. Have you ever questioned why? If you hear someone you love is suffering, is in sickness, you jump up and you go. You drop everything and you go. But Jesus delays. Have you ever questioned why? He delays. You see, that was also the issue between the wise and the foolish virgins. Is that he delays. You see, he delayed. He was delayed. And then they slumbered and they slept. All of them. All ten slumbered and slept. Okay? What does this show? This shows that all of the virgins were not expecting that the bridegroom will come in their lifetime in their time. So are we expecting Jesus to come back in our time? We don't know. But we should expect it because we need that oil and we need to produce that oil. Okay, no one knows when Jesus is coming. See, he purposely delays. It is intentional. Why? Because he's trying to draw out the glory. He's trying to draw out the glory. Now, verse 11 these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Jesus was using a metaphor, okay? All right? But the disciples didn't get it, okay? However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep, see? So then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. You know what I'm you know, Lazarus is sleeping. You know, right now he's sleeping. Our friend, Lazarus, so I'm going there so I can wake him up. The disciples was like, oh, oh, if he's sleeping, don't, 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 don't disturb him. You know, you go to the hospital and you visit people. Oh, they're sleeping. Oh, don't disturb them. That's what the disciples thought. And Jesus went, dude, he's dead, lah. You know, he's dead. You know. And I'm glad, verse 15. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. So you see, this is what happens. And then as he approached them, Martha comes out. Now, I want you to take note of this. Here, in this next portion of the scripture, we're going to see two of the same sentences, all right? 
Martha said it once, Mary said it the other time. John eleven twenty one. 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, Martha, she comes out and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would be alive. He would not be dead. See, Martha comes out and gives a strong statement which sounds like an accusation to Jesus. If you are here, if you were here, if you were here early. And now you see, Martha is going to give some crazy, crazy response in the next few lines, all right? It's so theologically accurate. It's crazy, okay? Verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She knows the word of God. She knows that if Jesus were to ask from the Father, Jesus would receive, the Father would give. See, what Martha was trying to do is draw something, receive something from Jesus. I just want, I just, if you ask Jesus, he'll give. So ask Jesus that my brother will be alive. He wants, she just wants to receive. But Jesus doesn't want to give at this point of time. He wants to receive something. He wants the mahanim, the dance of the two camps happening. He wants to wrestle with her. He wants to wrestle with her on not just a theological mind level, but an emotional, spiritual level so that she can draw the resurrection story out of him and be part of the resurrection story and not just God coming and boom, it's just him doing. But God wants her to be part of the resurrection story, the Mahanim. So he is waiting Jesus is waiting for someone to touch him deeply, who will love him in the crushing and pull something out of him. And a theological statement is not going to do that. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, see, Jesus replied, your brother will rise again. See, Jesus is giving lots of chances right now. He's saying, come, spar with me, wrestle with me, draw something out. Your brother will rise again. And Martha now gives another theological answer. In verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the day. It's true. It's accurate. But that's not what Jesus is looking for. Jesus wants Martha to cry, Lord, no, I want him now. I want him alive. He's my brother and I love him. And I know you can do it. He's looking for that. But she's giving theologically accurate answers, very political it's accurate, it's true. But Jesus doesn't want just that. He doesn't want revelation. He wants conviction. See, Jesus was giving her a chance to spar, to connect with her on an emotional and spiritual level, not giving theological statements. It's accurate, but it's not enough to draw a resurrection, a glory. Martha was giving hate, knowledge, answers, and not connecting with God. And then he, you see Jesus then, in his last attempt, he's still going at it, he's still going at it. Jesus said to her, verse 25, he will, he will resurrect in the last days. And Jesus I am the resurrection and the life. What does that mean? I am the resurrection means I can do it now. I can do it now. He's trying to draw it out from her. You see? See, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. I'm like, Lord, can I be any more 
in your face, come on, you know? And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she gives another theologically correct answer, but not an emotional level. She says to him, yes, Lord. She didn't say, I believe that you're the resurrection. I believe that you're alive. I believe that he will live again. He says, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. It's correct. It's accurate. But it's not drawing out the emotional side of God. So you see, if it's just based on the confession of a theological understanding, Jesus, if it's just based on that, Jesus will say, bam, all right, come on, resurrection time. But no. That's not what Jesus did, no. He did not budge. He was trying to draw something out. He, was looking, he wasn't looking for a confession of a theological understanding. Theological understanding is great. Bible knowledge is great. It is good. We need to read the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. But more than that, we need to interact with the Word of God. We need to be so vested in it that it becomes part of our lives, that it aches, that it hurts. We need that, and that is the oil. He is looking for the love in the crushing. And it seems that he can't find it in Martha. Oh, Martha, Martha. So Mary, Martha then goes back to tell Mary, that, hey, hey Mary, Master is looking for you. Now, the one who has been sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word he says, passing through the barriers of cultural, family, whatever, focusing her gaze on Jesus. Now, will she give Jesus what she wants? She has that oil, right? Mary jumps up, went to find Jesus, and John 11.32. Can I get the musicians to come up right now? Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, the first thing she did, she fell down at his feet. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, see the same statement, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you see the difference in the posture? One was an accusation. The other was intercession. Was praying, prostrating myself down. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would be alive. One was an accusation, Lord, if you were here. One was, Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you? There's a difference here. There's a difference instead of an accusation. It's intercession. She falls down, she weeps, and she begins to wrestle with the truth of God. She begins to struggle. God, I thought I knew you. God, I sat at your feet. God, I heard from your word. I know your truth. And your truth say you can resurrect. There is life. I thought you were the healer. She now wrestles in that crushing with God. See, she doesn't accuse God, but she wrestles now with Him. Wrestling is not accusing. It's laying hold of Him in the pain, in the struggle, and to say, God, God, you do you. God, you, you be God. You be God. You take over. I have no plan B. I have no plans. I've got no grand scheme whatsoever. I will not accuse, but I will worship at your feet. Mary laid down and wept. I will worship at your feet. See what Mary was doing she was offering oil back to God and the Mahanim starts 
oh, the Mahanim starts, the dance of the two camps starts. And in that moment, in verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and Jews and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. See, an emotional reaction starts out from God. He groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. She produces something in the spirit, which is what he has been looking for this whole time. The Mahanim, the dance of the two camps. A loving partnership that produces something in him, that impacts him, that moves him. Jesus groans in the spirit. And then he said, verse 34, where have you laid him? She draws a resurrection out of him. And you notice this, Martha said the same thing, Mary said the same thing, but Mary, the one with the oil, came as an intercessor, came with intercession, came with worship, and God, he draws something out. And now she's weaved into that resurrection story. Mary and Martha said the same thing, but only Mary was able to draw a resurrection out of Jesus because she had that oil and she poured that oil out in the crushing. Verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You see here, I'm going back. Jesus could have just asked the Father, like Martha said, and the Father would have done it. Jesus could have just rocked into the town, went up to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. But that's not the glory that Jesus was looking for. It would not be, have, it would not be the Mahanim. It would not be the dance of the two camps. It would not be a heart that would love Him with all her heart, all her strength, all her soul, all her mind. It will not be a love in the crushing. You see, then later on, we now know in John 12, Mary then pours, take expensive perfume, pours it on Jesus' feet and, and weeps and wipes His feet with her hair. See, what was happening there was because of John 11. It was an outward manifestation of what happened in her inward reality. She took that. She was going through the crushing. She poured it out. And now it manifests in an actual act of pouring oil onto Jesus and wiping His feet with her hair. You see, there is a time of rest and we are in that rest right now. It is the time to sit at Jesus' feet. Look at Him with an adoring gaze. Listen to Him. It's the time to cultivate and receive oil and we are in that season. May we come and cultivate oil in that resting. This is a time of rest. But a time of wrestling will come where you will have to wrestle with the truths of who God is and what He says versus the reality you see. When you see people in COVID, during COVID time, people dying all around. The truth is God loves everyone. Then you begin to ask, God, why? Why? See, a wrestling will come. 
we had one wrestling. Another wrestling will come and we need that oil. We need that oil. And when that wrestling comes, it is an opportunity for us to now give that oil to God. So my prayer is that we are able to cultivate oil in this season of prayer and fasting. And in the times of wrestling, in the times of struggles, some of you might be going through trials and testings right now. It could be a time for you to now to give oil to God. So my prayer is that we receive oil and we give oil. So church, cultivate the oil of intimacy and offer it unto Him. Church, we're going to come into a time of communion right now to take your emblems with you. You've heard the sermon that we are to cultivate oil and we're to give Him oil. It is the Mahanim. It's the dance between the two camps. You know what? The Mahanim did not stop when Mary poured oil on Jesus. Mary was giving. Jesus was receiving. It did not stop there. It went on. You know why? A few days and weeks later, Jesus was crucified. When He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, when He needed friends, when He said, come, pray with me, they fell asleep. When He needed them the most on the crucifixion, where was His disciples? They disowned Him. But you know what? Through His crushing, in His crushing, in the time where He carried the cross, when He was whipped and when He was beaten, and when everybody was disowning Him, everybody betrayed Him, everybody slept, do you know what was with Him? The oil, the fragrance. When He was carrying the cross, the feet and the smell came up and he could smell the oil, the ointment. When he laid upon the cross, the smell came up and the ointment, the oil was to him. The Mahanim continued, the dance between the two camps continued. Church, we need to see this, that in his crushing, it was the oil of intimacy of Mary that got him. I love Mary, I love my children, I love my people. He smelled it all and He remembered. And that is why I'm going to the cross. And that is why I'm going to the cross. You see, that oil is not just for us. That oil is for Jesus. Would we cultivate that oil? And would we pour our oil out onto Jesus? It is for Him. It's for Him. And the Mahanim continued. That's why in the Last Supper, He took that bread. The night Jesus was betrayed, He took that bread, He broke it. And He said, eat this. This is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Remember what I have done for you. Because I laid my life for you, He's pouring Himself out unto you. The Mahanim continues and now we receive that salvation, we receive that love 
the Mahanim continues. So let us do this as a remembrance and also as an act of Mahanim, the dance between the two camps, the love of God, Him pouring out His love, us pouring out, and the dance between the two camps. The night Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He said, this is my body broken for you as often as you eat this. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the bread and let us remember. In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. This is a new covenant in my blood I make to you. It's the blood poured out when he was being whipped, when he was being crucified, it was that blood poured out. And whereas that blood was pouring out, he was smelling that oil. I gladly pour my blood out for you that when you receive it, you would pour out your love unto Him. So as we partake of this cup, let us do this as part of the Mahanim, the dance of the two camps, and let us pour our love out unto Him. In the same manner, He took the cup and He said, this is a new covenant in my blood which I make to you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the cup. Let's all stand as we sing this song right now and let us pour our love on Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this time. We thank You, Lord, that You pour Your blood out for us. You poured Yourself out for us that we may receive it and we may pour our love unto You. So, Lord, I ask and we ask, Lord, that in these 40 days, May we cultivate that oil. May we cultivate that love and that affection, Lord. And may we pour it out unto you, Lord. May we pour it out unto you, Lord. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, right now, may Song of Solomon's 1 verse 1 come to pass. Kiss me with the kisses of his lips. That your word come alive and you will interact with us. That the oil of intimacy will come and we will brood. And Lord, passion and desire and excitement will be formed, Lord. We ask, Lord, we want that oil. We want that oil. Give us that oil. If you want that oil, would you raise that? Raise your hands right now. Yes, Lord. Would you pour your love? Would you pour your oil? Would you pour out, Lord, that we can have a love relationship, an intimate relationship with you, Lord. Would you pour yourself out, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time, the speaking of your word. We pray, Lord, that it will fall on good soil and we receive it, Lord, and that oil will be cultivated in this place, Lord. Lord, right now as we return to our places, Lord. Would you bless every single hand, every single person, every single one that's in this place, Lord, that we may cultivate the oil of intimacy, Lord, as we go home, Lord, as we spend time with you, Lord. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and give you peace, give you shalom, give you shalom. 
In Jesus' most mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. No, we've come to the end of the service. If you want, if you need prayer, you can come up. We'll have ministers and pastors here praying, ready to pray for you. You know, so do come up. Uh, if not, God bless you. Thank you. Just a kind remember, if you are reminder, if you are new in this place, there is a connect counter right outside and a hospitality lounge at the fourth floor. Do go there. We want to connect with you. We want to love on you. God bless you, church, and we will see you next week. <laughs>